Hi, I'm Naoko, owner of Kita Teas. Kita Teas is an online tea boutique that started in the heart of the pandemic, fulfilling a 20 year dream. We have about 30 curated single origin teas and botanical blends and select teaware. We are rooted in a social mission of advocating for women and children in underserviced communities. My first episode of the floating teacup was triggered by the 20th memorial of 9 11, which parallels the beginning of my tea career. Did you know that tea is the world's most popular beverage? Not only is it delicious, it is the convener of conversation, family meals, catching up with friends, and the perfect cup to be present in a moment of gratitude. There's a 5,000 year old written history of records about tea. Join me as I connect my personal tea stories and how it has impacted me throughout my life. And I'm sure that you do drink a cup of tea, whether hot or iced, and、I、encourage you to share your story by joining me on this podcast. I believe that tea can continue to be a catalyst for social change by building community. In the inaugural episode, I mentioned my first husband and I lived in New Jersey, right across the Hudson River in Hoboken. Please pardon me, I do want to share the colorful history of Hoboken too for those who've never heard of it. Hoboken is a city in Hudson County, New Jersey, and is apparently the third most densely populated municipality in the United States with more than 42,000 plus people per square mile. Well, when I lived there in 2001, it wasn't quite as populous, but more up and coming. As the riverfront was just being redeveloped with new residential buildings and community areas building around the pier. Records show that Hoboken was first settled as part of Pavonia, a new Netherlands company, excuse me, colony in the 17th century. Pavonia means peacock. Fast forward during the 19th century, the city was developed. By Colonel John Stevens, first as a resort and later as a residential neighborhood. Some other fun facts Hoboken is the location of the first recorded game of baseball, the birthplace of Frank Sinatra, and for those baking lovers, home of Carlos Bakery and reality show Kick Boss about head baker Buddy Velastro and his family. His family business was still local when I lived there, as the show didn't premiere until eight years later in 2009. Located on the Hudson River waterfront, Hoboken was also an integral part of the Port of New York and New Jersey and home to many major industries for most of the 20th century, with famous brands like Maxwell House Coffee, Lipton Tea, Hostess Cupcakes, and Wonder Bread calling Hoboken home. The first recorded European who claimed this area was Henry Hudson, an Englishman sailing for the Dutch East India Company. And for those who track the tea industry, the Dutch East India Company was the first trading company established in 1618 in the height of colonialism to import tea from Asia to Europe. Well, Hudson anchored his ship, the Half Moon, at Weehawken Cove in 1609. This is about nine years before the tea trading company was established. 
Soon after, Hoboken became part of the province of New Netherland. In 1664, the English took possession of New Amsterdam with little or no resistance, and in 1668, they confirmed a previous land patent by Nicholas Verlet. In 1674-75, the area became part of East Jersey, and the province was divided into four districts, Hoboken becoming part of Bergen County, where it remained until the creation of Hudson County in 1840. English-speaking settlers, some relocating from New England, interspersed with the Dutch, but it remained sparsely populated and farmland. Early 19th century, Colonel John Stevens developed the waterfront as a resort for Manhattanites. In 1811, Stevens' ship, the Juliana, began to operate as a ferry between Manhattan and Hoboken, making it the world's first commercial steam ferry. This ferry still runs today and used mostly by commuters who want to make a quick trip to Midtown Manhattan without having to approach the city from the north or south side, costing more but saving you time. When I lived there 20 years ago, it was quite a luxury commute, especially during the summer months where you felt like a sailor embarking on a journey with the Hudson River breeze, basking in the sun for a few minutes until you hit the daily work grind. I assume it's still running today and highly recommend it if you're visiting. Okay, so a little more in history. In 1825, Stevens designed and built a steam locomotive capable of hauling several passenger cars at his estate, Sybil's Cave, a cave with a natural spring, opened in 1832, and visitors came to pay a penny for a glass of water from the cave, which was said to have medicinal powers. In 1841, the cave became a legend when Edgar Allan Poe wrote the mystery of Marie Roget about an event that took place there. The book is the first murder mystery based on the details of a real crime. Da, da, da. The cave was closed in the late 1880s after the water was found to be contaminated, closed, filled with concrete in the 1930s, and lo and behold, apparently it just reopened in 2008. You gotta love Wiki. The Hudson waterfront defined Hoboken as an archetypal port town and powered its economy from the mid-19th to mid-20th century by which it had become essentially industrial and mostly inaccessible to the general public. The large production plants of Lipton Tea and Maxwell Coffee House dominated the northern portion for many years. And by the 1990s, both public and private sectors, citizens, communities, and private developers came to a mutual agreement to develop commercial and residential buildings and open spaces around the pier. Some buildings were renovated for adapted reuse, notably the T building where I lived, and a few years later after we left to the Burbs, Peyton Manning, yes, the famous quarterback, would call the T building converted condo home for a period of time. 
Now, back to the world of tea. I lived in what was formerly Lipton Tea's warehouse converted apartment complex. I don't think there's anyone in the US or the world that doesn't know of the famous tea brand, Lipton. Thomas J. Lipton Incorporated established business in Great Britain in 1888. He founded his US operations a year later. Moved American manufacturing and headquarters from New York City to Hoboken 30 years later in 1919 and remained in Hoboken for another 44 years until 1963 when it moved headquarters to Englewood Cliffs. And I believe it's still there today. As a tea passionista, I have much respect for the entrepreneur. Thomas Lipton, who opened his own grocery retail business with his small savings. In a short nine years, he would grow his store to more than 200 shops, of which tea was one of his primary product developments as a rare and expensive luxury at the time. Lipton purchased tea gardens in Ceylon, or what we now call Sri Lanka, where he packaged and sold the first Lipton tea. Available as loose leaf teas in bulk, his advertising slogan was direct from the tea gardens to the teapot. Over a century, Lipton would merge and be acquired by other countries and now owned by one of the largest consumer goods companies in the world, Unilever, with a joint venture with PepsiCo to market the ready to drink bottled and canned teas so prevalent in the world. Did you know that Lipton Yellow Label is blended from about 20 different teas from various origins like Sri Lanka, India, Kenya, and China? Makes sense as you have to bring to the customer a centuries old recipe year after year within a set price range. Today, you can purchase 100 tea bags that makes 100 cups for $3.50. That's about 3.5 cents a cup. All inclusive of the box, the tea bag, manufacturing, and the tea. Do you ever wonder where the tea is coming from, where it's grown, and why the tea is so inexpensive? How is a company still making its profit margins while paying all the middlemen in between? Well, Lipton still owns tea plantations in East Africa. And the good news is that I know firsthand that they are one of the first companies to commit to sourcing all its tea in a sustainable manner. But it does come with the caveat of a one specialty tea company commoditized over the course of 133 years. Quality leveled, meaning a one quality fits all model with a set in an inexpensive price tag in tea bags, and the bottle tea is laden with sugar. 64 grams of sugar is added in a current serving size of 18.5 ounces, equivocal to their own can of soda, which has 41 grams for 12 ounces. Same. Their tea portfolio is diverse. There are an unsweetened and now a slightly elevated quality brand in their pure leaf line. But unless they eliminate their sugar laden products, Lipton has lost its way for the tea industry on what a quality teacup is, from the tea growing region to the farmers, growers, processors, exporters, which is more valuable than 3.5 cents. 
for our tea community and our future, we need to serve the entire tea value chain and tea drinker the best to earn living wages and for health, nutrition, and wellness. The objective about this podcast is not to point fingers at the large players or buyers of tea in the world, but to make transparent, have conversation, make educated decisions to work towards re elevating and restoring what premium loose leaf tea is. Essentially, it is about decolonizing tea, the past, and continue to make decisions and choices in our spheres of influence to make tea better for the present and future. One tea growing region, one community at a time. If you like this episode or have additional insights, comments, please join me for the next episode of Floating Teacup, where life is about continuing to search for purpose, meaning, and connecting over a cup of tea. History and storytelling goes a long way to make a better world tomorrow. <laughs>